This podcast is a collaboration between Costard and Touchstone Productions and the Dads from the Crypt podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this bonus episode special edition of the How Not to Make a Movie. Uh, yesterday uh, in New Mexico, the, um, the attorney general, the, the prosecutors, they decided to charge uh, Alec Baldwin and the armorer, um, Gutierrez Reed, with, uh, with criminal offenses and what happened on the set of Rust. Um, talk about how, how not to make a movie in the worst possible way. You know, Gil, making Bordello of Blood was definitely how not to make a movie, but nobody died. Nobody died, indeed. Except, I, I, except, I except my couple, career, but that's something. Yeah, I was going to say, I consider it in a couple of ways you and I died, but well, yes, we're, yes, yes. That, we're that, still breathing and eating and sleeping. Yes, and, and indeed, our relationship was a fatality. That was uh, a different situation and a different, totally different problem and, and issue. And we've talked a little bit about that. Yeah. This one, though, dealt with life and death, and it should never have happened. And it should never have been caused by making something a fantasy in a movie or, or television set. Yeah, I, I I know when 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 the news first happened, it was like my head exploded. It, it's yeah, me too. What? How, how was that possible? So many screw ups happened at the same time. Um, we for this this special uh, edition of 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 the podcast, we've got two guests, two first assistant directors. Uh, we just uh, interviewed Tony Adler uh for a previous episode, and uh, Tony has worked features and and big massive TV series, massive uh, mini series. We're also going to add uh, a guy named Lee Webb. And Lee was, uh, he was one of the first assistant directors on Tales from the Crypt. He was the first on Demon Knight. Uh, Lee is- uh, Worked on Moonlighting. In Moonlighting. And, and we've got an interview coming up with Lee and, and he's got an amazing story that, but his perspective also on, on what should happen on a film set and what should never happen on a film set. I, I think in the middle of this particular conversation, because it's well, it's happening live all around us, I I, I hope we can add something to uh, to this national conversation. And I think you might find our collective uh, interpretation of what happened and how we would have handled it uh, interesting. And I hope it might affect how you guys in the future go out and make your movies on on sets. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Hey, safety is more important than anything. Uh, with that said, uh, here we Let's go. Let's get going. Yesterday, uh, as we start this conversation, the uh, attorney general in New Mexico decided to, they're going to charge two people in what happened on the set of Rust. They're going to charge the armorer and they're going to charge Alec Baldwin. Uh, I... I, I I'm sure everyone else had the same reaction that I did when this first, when the news of this happening on that set first broke, head exploded. How could such a thing happen? Uh, now, it kind of begins with, uh, you know, where does it begin? Well, um, the, the one person who they're not charging is the assistant director, Dave Halls. And, and my understanding of that is because he's Lee already Webb. created a plea bargain. Yeah, that's right. Just, mm. That's correct. 
Right. Uh, but the thing about Dave, Dave Halls is that he had a, an unusual history before he walked onto the set of Rust. Uh, he had been fired from a previous indie film because of another prop gun discharge. Uh, a producer on Freedom's Path, the indie film, said that during production in 2019, quote, a crew member incurred a minor and temporary injury when a gun was unexpectedly discharged, unquote, after the incident and Hall was fired from that movie. Let me ask you something I don't know. Is, is, uh, is he a member of the DGA? No. I didn't he, think was. So. he was. He was. Oh. And he withdrew. Tony Adler. And so he is no longer and hasn't been for quite a while. But he was, but he was DGA. Yeah. But okay. he wasn't DGA when Russ was being filmed. No. No, when they hired no. him. That's when I wonder. Now, we're, we're into, the, in, into what the, the producers were doing. Uh, Let's just go through the timeline of what happened that day, just so that you know we're clear on that. All right. So, uh, prior to the fatal shooting, uh, all right, a number of crew members told the Hollywood Reporter that they were specifically frustrated with the producers. And again, producers covers a lot of territory in this. In this instance, prior to the fatal shooting, there was a previous complaint about an accidental weapons discharge on that set yeah. that went unaddressed. Several was it members... the same weapon? Was it the same gun? Don't know. Yeah. Uh, several crew members walked off the set over unsafe conditions. Yeah. Uh, Gutierrez Reed, the armorer, uh, had only one other such you know credit under her her belt but her dad you know she but it, it, it's a nepo town so you know uh the day of the shooting the cast and crew arrived at the at the bonzana at the bonanza creek ranch near santa fe where filming was delayed after the camera crew quit over issues involving payment and housing uh, because of the staffing issues, there was only one camera crew working that day. They, they had multiple cameras, but not enough crew to, to cover the cameras. Uh, according to the warrant, uh, the movie's assistant director, Dave Halls, he picked up one of the prop guns that were laid out by Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, the production's armorer, and she handed it to Baldwin, uh, no, no, hold on. The production. Yeah, no, 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 so, so, so Gutierrez gives it to to Dave Halls, and Dave Halls. They go inside the church, and inside the church, Halls yells "cold gun," and hands it to Baldwin. Yeah. So everyone inside the church is under the impression that this is a this is a a prop. Yeah. It, it's a real gun, but there is nothing. There's nothing inside of it. All right. In his first interview. An emotional Baldwin uh, detailed what happened on the day of the tragedy, and he broke down in tears. Okay, he says, so he said, the gun wasn't meant to be fired. Uh, I'm holding the gun where I was told to hold it, which was right below her armpit. Uh, when she told me to begin cocking the hammer for a particular shot, he said he did it with, he said he did it without cocking the gun itself. He said he let go of the hammer and bang the gun goes off. And of course, he continued, everyone was shocked. The gun was supposed to be empty. I was told I was handed an empty gun. She goes down. I thought to myself, did she faint? All right. That's in the moment. 
that's that's what everyone says in the moment uh what do we all think well i can tell you from after uh, the brandon lee incident on the crow yeah everything changed um in how to handle guns and whenever a weapon was on the set and about to be used there were certain protocols that had to be followed one of which was for the ad the actor a producer if he was on the set or she was on the set um and anyone that was in the line of fire or would be in the line of fire considering two things one the gun should never have been aimed at anyone or any part of somebody. It was also always supposed to be directed. And of course, the DP knew would know this directed. So it looked like it was aiming where it was supposed to be aimed, but no one was actually in line with it. Did anybody ask if there were even plexiglass protectors in front of the, the camera? I've never heard any. The, the, the word plexiglass, as far as I know, has never come up strangely. It, yeah. they, there Which clearly is only were a, no, there clearly were no plexiglass anything there. There were no shields. There was no plywood. There was nothing there. Yeah, and and that's the thing is even if even if you are not pointing it at someone, we all know that blanks fire wads and spark and and gunpowder residue. So, it, depending on how close you are, you always had face shields and plexiglass and and those are safety safety components but all of those people whether the the people who are in the line of fire the dp the operator the assistant camera the producer the actor who's going to handle the gun um, and the ad and the prop master or armor in this case should have looked at that gun taken taken everything out of it shown a light through the barrel to make sure there were no obstructions. All of that should have been done before he, Alec, actually had the gun in his hand and pointed it at anything. Here, here. Yeah. Obviously was not done. So there's yeah. great, it, this, you asked what, what, if I were a prosecutor, my one line to be remembered would be safety was compromised in lieu of expediency. We all know the pressures on a set to get the work done because time is money, as we are often told, but safety should never, ever be compromised. And it certainly was in this case. This, yeah. this was already a set with, with chaos because the crew right. and the producers were, were, were at odds with each other over unrelated things. But safety was one of the things that the crew had been complaining about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Let I me, don't um, understand. Let Go me ahead. jump in for a second here. Um, so so this clearly is an incident where in the two minutes that it took to go through this incident, from the time that the gun was requested to the time that she was shot and the bullet went through her and into the shoulder or wherever it was of the director, yeah, um, everything that could have gone wrong and was done incorrectly happened at that moment. Everything. Number one, when when you are rehearsing a scene and you're lining up a shot, there is no need in any way, shape or form for the real weapon that you're going to shoot, especially if it's a metal gun that um, that could possibly fire either a blank or anything else. You generally line up with a plastic gun, a replica, always all the time. 
Everybody should be aware of that. The armorer, the prop master, the assistant director, the actors, and the camera person. Two, as you just said, nobody should be pointing something directly at the camera ever for any reason until you're shooting and until the safety protocols are met. That was never dealt with, never discussed, obviously, and didn't happen. Three, <clears throat> why... Um, why the 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 gun itself was available without the armorer following it around, meaning that that person clearly did not do the job she was paid to and hired to do. You, mm -hmm. when you hand somebody a weapon um, as an armorer, okay. In 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 my forty years of being an assistant director, the armorer follows that gun around. Absolutely, that's what happens. Yeah, or the prop master, happen. whichever, but yeah. Yeah, it didn't happen. The right person didn't follow the gun around. Clearly, the assistant director didn't do his portion of all of that, which was to look down the barrel of the gun and look into the chambers and the and and the and the um the barrel thing. And that didn't happen. Cylinder. The cylinder, yes, thank you. <clears throat> and and Alec Baldwin clearly did not ask either the direct uh, the assistant director or ask for the armorer to say has this gun been cleared he didn't none of that happened so everything that could have gone wrong went wrong at in those two minutes of time that took that poor woman's life alec, um, alec baldwin's defense is going to be he was handed a gun that, that the assistant director had cleared by saying it was cold right that so that that lays a lot of the responsibility onto the assistant director who obviously yes. did not look at the gun in the cylinder to see what was, if anything, loaded. And yet has turned, has made a deal yeah. to try to un, to try yeah. to mitigate his own responsibility by, I don't know, unmitigating it into someone else like Alec right. Baldwin. Who, okay. Alec right. Baldwin was, was a titular producer on the piece. Right. Right. But... As we know, it might have been, and again, I don't know, we weren't, I wasn't there when, when his deal was negotiated to get Alec Baldwin onto the picture, they might have had yeah. to say, yeah, Alec, you're a producer. Yeah. And so if he's being hoist on the, on a producer's petard, he wasn't, you know, as there are, as we all know, there are producers and then there are producers. Yeah. And it's yeah. But, you see, but you see, there was incompetence from the very top to the very right. bottom. No, I, I was I was surprised that none of the producers were brought up on charges. That's the shocking that, thing. That, that's the ultimate responsibility. That's for right. The entire show. That's whether, right. Whether it's safety, whether it's food, whether it's poisoning, whether it's whatever. I mean, Alan, if you remember, and Lee, you probably remember, we did full body burns on our show a lot of the time, mm -hmm. and I was a manic, crazy person. I would hide the the ambulance and the buckets of ice from the actor because they would say, you're jinxing me. I don't want that. I don't need that. And I go, okay, fine. No problem. And then I would camouflage the truck, the, the ambulance, or I put it a, a, a half a block away, but we always made sure we had it covered and we always respected all of that stuff. And we always, you know, we never shot a gun on any TV series, Tales from the Crypt or any movie that I've done without me being present at the moment on the day yeah. to see the rehearsal and to see the actual thing done. And I always right. looked at the gun. And I always looked down the barrel of it. And I always opened it up myself because I said, look, guys, I know you're here because I trust you, but I need to see this. 
there were at least four or five of us that would do that. I would want to look down the barrel. I would want to look in the cylinder. So would the person who was having the gun pointed at them or in their vicinity. And so would the actor whose ultimate responsibility is it's going to be his or her finger that's pulling that trigger. They they should have, Alec Baldwin should have known and looked in that gun to make sure that what the assistant director was telling him was actually true. He didn't. And yeah, and I indeed, mean, it's, it's all true, but I just want to reiterate, you know, they walked that the set that day was already a very imperfect place and it got increasingly worse. More That's not That's an excuse. It, no, it, no, no, it, no, but it's right. It, so rotten from top to bottom. So ultimately, at the end of the day, the, the, the two aside from the fact that there's no question that there is there is neg- there was negligence on the part of the armorer there was negligence on the part of the assistant director and and unfortunately as we all know actors can you know who know, where whatever mindset baldwin was in at the time um he he was to- he says and there's nothing to absolutely refute that that he was told the gun was cold now whether he actually had his hand on the tr- he, he says he didn't pull the trigger it's been clear through expert testimony that that the gun cannot be fired in any way unless a finger pulls the trigger, not the hammer, but the trigger. That's been talked about by experts. Okay, so potentially he lied to George Stephanopoulos on that interview months ago. Yes, but at the end of the day, Stephanopoulos. Right at the end of the day, the, the the just to start with, and to to what Gill's point is, which I think is absolutely the the most important thing, is the producer of the movie, which was Alec Baldwin's company, who made the deal with Netflix and the whole whatever that thing Correct. was. They are ultimately responsible for everybody's well being and safety on the set. Everybody, okay. And that was not paid attention to. So, so that particular thing for me and Lee, I'm sure for you, uh, is really, really important. So that's number Absolutely. one. Here. Number two, how in God's name, and I don't think we'll ever really know the answer, but how and why did live ammunition yeah. make its way onto that set, whether it was in a box, a truck, Anyway, how did it get in the cylinder rounds, of that gun? 500 rounds of live ammo right. they found on that so, set. So, so how did that happen? And how did it not get stopped? Way, I mean, I, I, I to this moment, I can't imagine. There, there, there is an explanation. Uh, and it has to do with the to fact that, that, that the guy who was supplying the 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 weapons and i think the the ammo his that company had just done another feature where they had some surplus ammo and it was in a truck and the truck was on that set something to that are you talking about surplus live ammo why would surplus why would there be any surplus of any life i'm simply describing to you as i was looking to, to to see the the just do some background on this there was yeah. an explanation. There, there are there are suits and there are countersuits. The uh, the young woman, the armorer, she sued is is countersuing the company that supplied the weapons. Yeah, and the ammo. And the ammo. Yeah. yeah. Let and me ask you this: the, It seems like the abiding question is how would live ammo 
be yeah. inserted in any prop gun on that set. Well, that's the big right. question. No one has the answer to that. And that's right. really that's really the crux right. of the this, this is the ultimate magic bullet theory. Like, what the fuck happened? Like, did the thing jump out of the box and right. get in the gun on itself on its like somebody, someone, somewhere took that ammunition and put it into that gun, and then that gun ended up on the gun cart. How did that happen? I I okay. I the only there's there's only one explanation for that, Alan, and I think we all know what it is. And that is, there are dummy loads with a spent primer at the base that are put in revolvers because when they are aimed at a camera, if they're not, the dummy loads are not in there. It looks like the cylinder is empty. Right. So it is done for dramatics, but. You have to be, and that's part of the inspection of any weapon about to be used, is right. if you open the cylinder and look at all of the, if there are dummies, supposed to be dummy loads in there, yeah. they all have to be, have spent primers. And if they don't, that means it's either a live round or a blank, in which case it should never have been in the gun until it was be ready to use anyway. Even using blanks. I mean, blanks can cause a lot of problems and blanks yes. can cause a lot of damage. Isn't was yeah. it, a, was it a blank that that, that that killed Jason Lee? Yeah. Yeah, yes. but it was it was a full load. Yeah, right. Um, and, and after that, everyone stopped using full loads. They went to halves. Well, no, you, right? no, they didn't stop using full loads. Full loads were necessary in semi-automatic pistols because they wouldn't eject properly if, they, if uh, it wasn't a full load. Gotcha. Right. Gotcha. However, in a revolver, which is what was used in this... They could have had a quarter load, but yeah. you're still going to have a live primer. So yeah, if you're looking right. in the cylinder, you have to look at the primers. And if there's any live primers, those should be removed and inspected before you continue. Also, you know, the, the director uh, should have looked. The director, you Absolutely. know, no one talks about the director because he was wounded, but but he has some responsibility in this as well. Yeah, yeah. 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 That is true. This is not a powerless person on a film set. Because he was also, again, in the line of fire. So he should have been one of those people involved in the safety meeting. Yes. Which is what we called them. Yes, yes, yes. Um, to check that weapon and make sure there were no live <laughs> loads in the weapon when it was presented to the actor. So, so the, uh, the, I mean, the, the DA, the, uh, the prosecutor, is totally accurate when she said, A, this was totally avoidable. And two, yep. many people along the way were not responsible in doing their job. Are they right, prosecuting? Right. Are they prosecuting the right people? All the right people? Should they? Should not, if they're going to prosecute Alec Baldwin, should they not be prosecuting a few of the other people with producer status? I believe. Well, so. I I agree with Gil. I I believe that they should be. I believe all those people are are. You know, either, you know, not not necessarily that they are complicit or accessories to act the, the actual event, but there is culpability and there is responsibility. OK, and they they were the producers of the movie and they were ultimately responsible Absolutely. for everybody who was standing there and the procedures that were going on. And they and, were a participant in in uh, in creating an atmosphere of. Uh, a lack of cognizance of safety issues. Yeah. So maybe, maybe I, I, I would say, Alan, I would say to you that that like if, if the roles were different and, and I had been there or maybe whatever, 
I, I mean, I, I think these I think these other producers need to be, you know, kind of put on on notice. I, I, I mean, or something like, you know, if you refer back to the Sarah Jones case in Atlanta from from mm -hmm. eight years ago, you know, I was in Atlanta shooting a television yeah, yeah. show when that the day that it happened, we were we were doing a hurricane sequence next to a bunch of railroad tracks. It was and everybody found out was horrible. But but it clearly those people and the director and his producing partners forced and intimidated the people who were there, including William Hurts, to get on those tracks when they clearly had no business being there. They had no business being there. And the only smart guy there was the location manager who refused to go and wrote emails and letters saying we're not supposed to be there. And everybody, I'm not going. And he didn't go. Bill Hurts, I Bill Hurts, eyewitness description of it is yeah. horrifying, horrifying. But but here in this particular situation, as Lee was saying before, and it's true, everything on that show was completely chaotic all the time. Hmm. There had been complaints about about the, the the running around and the safety issues. People hadn't been paid. The camera crew had been working eighteen hours. They, at one point, they, they, I think they were thrown out of their rooms or some crazy shit went on. Right. It was, it was a nightmare. Everything was a nightmare. And as I said before, the two minutes that it, that, that, that we're talking about here from the time Baldwin or the director asked for the AD to go and get the gun to give to Baldwin, right? From that second forward, everything went wrong. And mm -hmm. and nobody did none of the, the none of the primary characters involved did anything to say wait one second wait hold on and that's we, we the can, point me, that's me, exactly yeah. the point is there should have been someone that would have stepped forward and said stop let us do this correctly and check right. the weapon nobody yeah, did it didn't happen let me so let me so what, was it completely avoidable. Absolutely, one hundred and ten percent. That woman should not be dead, and that little her little boy should have a mother to grow up with, and oh the husband God. should have a wife. There's no excuse for that kind of behavior anywhere. And and I, you know, right. um, in terms of my perspective of the ruling, I mean, regardless of how I feel about Alec Baldwin, just in general, which is not part of this conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's not, but, but the people who are ultimately responsible and the primary three are the armorer, the assistant director and Baldwin himself for lying in front of people because he really did. Um, those people should be, I mean, to me, this particular judgment on them, it, you know, right now, should only be the beginning. Like none of those people should be allowed to work just like the people in Atlanta who are responsible mm -hmm. for yeah. Sarah Jones. They were, they were taken away and not allowed to work in the movie business for like 10 years or so. Yeah. The, 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 uh, the first AD was, was banished from the business. You cannot work in it for 10 years. Yeah. Me question, because the injustice that I find is with the plea deal that they made with the first AD. I, yeah. I, I don't understand how or why, yeah. They could have made that deal and that they didn't hold any producers responsible. M Mamie Mitchell, who is the, she was the, the, the um, um, script supervisor. 
Uh, she sued Alec Baldwin and his fellow pro producers after, after the fatal shooting. So she sued them all. Uh, and she complained, and she alleged in her complaint that she was injured by the gun when it was fired, but she also claimed assault, intentional infliction of emotional distress, and deliberate infliction of harm. Uh, but she also said that the script didn't call for any gun to be discharged, and she blamed Baldwin for not checking it. Uh, so, you know... So she, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did, he wasn't even supposed to fire the weapon? That is what the script supervisor said. She said the script didn't call for any gun to be discharged, and she... That's correct. He just was pointing. So there was not supposed to be any blank in there. No. So if he pointed it in the direction of the camera in the rehearsal, then all of those loads should have been dummies. And that's where that's how one of those live rounds got in there, because it was mistaken for a dummy. But had, what what is your opinion about that? I mean, I, I'm really outraged that the first AD was able to pull a plea deal. And I'm I'm outraged that no producers were were indicted or or or, or brought to you know, it, it just seems the, the legal system doesn't seem to understand how a film set works. Mm. Well, I'll tell you, you something, know, they, Alan, you made a point earlier that you, you've been on a jury and, and you didn't think that, that uh, Alec would be uh, convicted of this. Let me turn that another way. And that is, uh, if this is going to be in New Mexico, 12 people, good and true, sitting in a jury box will look at someone who's famous and may have an attitude and may have, through his own negligence, caused great harm and death to someone, and they won't forgive that. But the but they'll have to follow the letter of the law. And the way yes, that the yeah. law is is written and, in New Mexico. And you said it's it some says, weird description of manslaughter in New Mexico. Well, it says while acting in a while acting in a reckless manner, which may cause the death of another person. Now they are they depending upon how it's prosecuted. If they are yeah. if they must def, act, you know, define the uh, involuntary manslaughter within the moment that the trigger is pulled. If he's been told one thing, all the other stuff might not work you know inside a jury's head yeah is this a reckless yeah. matter when you've been told one thing and you're just rehearsing a scene and you're as shocked as everybody else yeah but they and also said that they might but also that they might have a greater responsibility because he's a producer and if that's the yeah. case then why uh, aren't other producers and and that too a jury a jury will jump all over because they'll say well why did they pick him out why why yeah. you know, because that is that is how juries think juries are really really logical and and the prosecution is going to rely on getting 12 people to say it's all out. amongst all the producers Alec yeah. Baldwin is yeah. is the guy I'm, I am going to have to jump off in a couple of minutes but I'd like to just Don't sort worry. of close and let you guys finish up um I would say, Gil, number one, in answer to your question about the outrage about why the why the AD was able to quote unquote cop a plea, right? Which he did. I am sure that's that that um, you know, based on all all the TV shows we've ever seen, and what our understanding of the legal system is, that they've they've you know they the the their um, justice department and their prosecutor you know, is approaching each and every one of them individually. And I am sure that his lawyer or whatever asked to find some way to get his name cleared or do something or or have him be less. I also think he wanted to not have this be part of, a you know, any more any worse of a mark that it's already been on him. 
Sure. Well, the assistant director. No, no, I understand why. Having, I understand why he would do it. A bargaining chip somewhere. Because yeah. they, they wouldn't give him a plea bargain if he didn't have something with which he was bargaining. Well, they're, they're right. probably going to use his testimony against the others, which they yeah. doing these kind yeah. of trials. But my feeling so he, he's, why would they he's, why would they even consider that? Yeah, he's probably he's probably going to point a finger at yeah. the culpability and responsibility of the armor. Yep. And the fact that that Alec Baldwin and this is only a guess and that but that Baldwin put in, in extreme and intense pressure on him to deliver something faster than he was supposed to do. Right. And and, and told him or in, in or inferred that he did. We didn't have to worry about this. Say, just give me the gun. Give me the gun. Give me the gun. That's what Indeed. I want. Oh, sure, sure. But but there's one problem with Dave Halls. If they, of all the people to choose as the guy that, that you're going to turn. He's a, he's a terrible witness because he's got a history. Yeah. Well, that's, but he's that, the only that, witness that makes him a have. terrible witness. Yeah. But he's the only witness they have. But so, when you but when you go into the jury room, he's not. He won't stand up because all you need I know. Is one one juror to go. But Dave Halls is an asshole. Yep. Listen, before we lose Tony, I just want yeah. to say one thing to our young filmmaker audiences out there. This is the reason why Alan and I work with people like Tony and oh. like Lee because we're very concerned about safety, but we know these guys are even more concerned about safety because they're doing it moment to moment, day to day. Uh, we go to the set on the day, but it all is prepped beforehand. We've been involved with those situations. We've been involved in those discussions. We've been involved with exactly how we go from A to B to C to D. But these two gentlemen are responsible for doing that. And that's why they have such trust from us because they are capable of knowing how to do it the proper way, the right way, and the safe way. And it's also why they're as you're making your movies, as you're, you know, young filmmakers making movies, that's what you want to do. You want to make sure you align yourself with people like these guys to run your sets and it'll run more efficiently. You'll get your work done in a better way and, and it'll be in a safe way. Indeed, so and, 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 to think, and to think like like they think is 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 the only way to think on a film set. Yeah. There's no excuse for anyone to die on a film set. There's no excuse right. for anyone to get hurt on a film set. But okay, accidents do happen. Okay, hurt uh, begrudgingly, but killed for make believe. No way. I understand Nerf. that no matter how little money or how much money how much money is Doesn't spent matter. on a production. Safety has to be paramount. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody should have a safe environment to work in. Everybody who works on the crew, whether it's three people or 300 people, hmm. need to know that the leadership out there has got everybody's best interest in mind. And, it, and everybody is trying to do the best job that they can all the time, always. And, and they should feel completely entitled and, and that to have a safe environment. Here, here. And, and that if doesn't they mean... can't trust the leadership, if they can't trust the guys who are standing, the men and women who are standing up there in front, um, then then you have an enormous issue. Hence the whole thing with the script supervisor and why she is doing what she's doing. Just, Just wanted to ask, Thanks Tony, so much have I ever met you? Yes, we've met at the DGA a few times. Ah, okay. Well, it's good <laughs> seeing you again, Tony. Yeah, thank you, Lee. <laughs> you too, buddy. Um, Gil, Alan, thank you guys for having me on board. Um, I, I'm sorry I happened yet, but I really no do. worries, no worries. You, we will we will continue this conversation as the case continues. See you next time, everyone. 
the How Not to Make a Movie podcast is executive produced by me, Alan Katz, by Gil Adler, and by Jason Stein. Our artwork was done by the amazing Jody Webster, and Jason Jody, along with Mando, are all the hosts of the fun and informative Dads from the Crypt podcast. Follow them for what my old pal the Crypt Keeper would have called terrific Crypt content.